Ephesians, the sixth chapter. We're doing a series on the full armor or the whole armor of God. In Ephesians chapter 1, right on through chapter 3, the Bible talks about the wealth of the believer. It talks about what we have and who we are in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 4, right up until Ephesians 6, verse 10, the scripture talks about the walk of the believer, how that we are to walk worthy of the vocation where we've been called. And then chapter 6, right on through the end of the chapter, verse 10, right on through the end, talks about the warfare of the believer. And Paul is in a Roman prison, and he's observing the various armor that the Roman soldier has on. And so he begins to liken that to spiritual armor that you and I are to be clothed with. And by the way, this armor is never to be taken off. This armor is something that we are to keep on. And the Bible says in verse 10, it says, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. And in the next verse, he says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the strategies of the devil. Now we know that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And one way that he tries to rob from us is to deceive us. One person said it like this, If the enemy can deceive us, he can defeat us. But thank God, if he cannot deceive us, he cannot defeat us. Now notice with me in verse 12, and it tells us, who we're wrestling against and who we're not wrestling against. Read it with me. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So notice with me that our battle is not with one another. You know, as Christians, we're to love one another. We're not to fight one another. And our attitude and our posture toward non-Christians is also to be one of love and to be one of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ, which simply means that we are diplomatic ministers of the highest order representing our home, which is in heaven, here on earth. And you will see and discover that Jesus is reaching out to the lost with the love of God. And so we, as his representatives, should be doing no less. Sharing the love of God and showing the light of God. Amen? Amen. And so if, if you think that person on the job is your enemy, you're wrong. That person on the job may be motivated by an evil spirit. You know what? We've been given the name above every name. And you can take dominion over those spirits operating through people that are yielding to wrong spirits and they can, they'll have to stop dead in their tracks. Now notice with me in verse 13. Ephesians 6, 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, not just part of it, but every part of it, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand. Now notice with me the word able. So when you have on the armor of God, you've got the ability of God on you. You've got the ability of God in you. 
And through God's ability, you can stand up in the midst of the roughest day that you have ever faced here on earth. And you can stand up with the name of Jesus, with the power of the blood of Jesus, and being filled with the Holy Ghost. And you can stand in the midst of the storm and you can declare victory in Jesus' name. Now notice with me in verse 14. He says, stand therefore. Having your loins girt about with truth. We talked about that part of the Roman soldier's armor. That girt was which held up the rest of the armor. Well, it is the word of God that's upholding this whole universe. He's upholding everything by the word of his power. And so when we girt our lives, if you will, with the truth of God's word, it just has a tendency to hold us together. It has a tendency to cause you and I to live a life as more than conquerors. And notice with me in the next verse, it says, And having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, righteousness, according to the word of God, simply means right standing with God. I believe this, that we as Christians need to awake to righteousness. What does that mean? We need to awake to the fact That we cannot make ourselves right in His sight by our own works. But it is by the work of Jesus Christ on Calvary in His death, His burial, and His resurrection that makes you right in His sight. And when you come to Him in a simple place of trust and a simple place of faith, the Bible says that He will put you into right standing with God. Which, by the way, gives you and I the ability to stand in the presence of a holy God without a sense of guilt, without a sense of fear, or without a sense of inferiority, just as if sin never existed before. Amen. And so that's good news, isn't it? And we did a whole teaching on that. So verse 15. And your feet shod with the preparation... Of the gospel of peace. Now what this uh, signifies to us is that our feet must be firmly planted on our covenant that we have with God. And that there is a readiness that you and I must have as we face life's challenges. And as we have a confrontation with the enemy, we must be firm-footed, not wavering back and forth, but standing strong on the truth of God's Word. And we did a teaching on that. So notice with me in verse 16. Here's what we want to do tonight. Read it with me. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be what? There's that word able again. So this armor gives you ability. It's ability way beyond yourself. Ability to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Now, don't be afraid. The fiery darts are coming. But you have the shield of faith. Now, I don't know whether you notice this or not. But I didn't. But up until now, Paul's description of the armor of God has been limited to items that we wear. We put on the belt, the breastplate, and the shoes. They essentially hold themselves up. But the shield of faith is different. 
Paul tells us that this shield is something that we must take up, something that we are required to raise, just something that we are required to lift up the mighty shield of faith. And so it takes an effort on our part, not just a quesera, whatever will be, whatever comes may come, whatever will be, will be, but by faith rising up in the name of Jesus and quenching every fiery dart of the wicked one. And he says, above all. And so this shield of faith that is described here in Ephesians 6, it is not a small shield, but it is a large oblong shield that was able to protect the entire body. Now listen to this statement. I looked this up and a commentator wrote this. He says, in ancient warfare, these fiery darts were launched in great number at the beginning of an attack. Maybe you've seen some movies or some shows and where they, they launch several arrows at the same time to penetrate their enemy, right? The idea was not only to injure the enemy, but to shoot at him at all sides, now listen, with a massive number of darts, and thus confuse and panic the enemy. Now, you've heard the terminology, it just seems like all hell has broken loose. Seems like one thing went wrong and then another thing came up and another thing came up over here and another thing came up over there. It was just all of a sudden so many attacks all at once. My brothers and sisters, consider it not strange concerning the fiery trials which the enemy has sent to try you. What he wants to do is he wants to breathe fear into the believer cause him to panic, put his shield down, and thus make him more vulnerable to the attacks of the fiery darts. Now listen, I'm here to tell you that the shield of faith will quench any fiery dart and every fiery dart and all fiery darts at once if need be. We are not helpless. We have the greater one living on the inside of us. Say it with me, faith-filled words, trust in God, the mighty shield of faith quenches them all. So we see then here in our lesson tonight that faith is represented as a shield, protecting us once again from the fiery darts of the wicked one, those persistent efforts of demonic foes to weaken us through fear and unbelief. Fear and unbelief. Now, fear is present when the following things are evident in our lives. Or unbelief, we should say, is present when the following things are present in our life. Number one, fear. Did you know that if you tolerate fear on any level, it will contaminate your faith? Fear tolerated will contaminate your faith. Fear is bondage. And all fear has its very root in the fear of death. It's true. 
The reason why a person is afraid of flying is they're afraid they're going to die. The reason why a person would lock themselves up in a hotel room or in a penthouse like Howard Hughes did for years and years and years is because he was afraid of germs. And why was he afraid of germs? He was afraid of germs because he was afraid the germs would kill him. But Jesus pulverized death for you and I. And in Christ Jesus, we have no more fear of death and of the bondage of death. But what fear does, if you don't know it, and you're not aware of it, it can give the enemy access into your life. Fear and unbelief go together. Fear is Satan's weapon of choice. If I don't fear... If we just make a decision, I don't care what kind of report you may have gotten. I don't care what Wall Street is doing or what is not doing. I don't care what Dr. So-and-so says or Dr. Spook or Dr. Spock says. I've got a better report, thank you. It is the report of the Lord. And I've chosen to live my life under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ and read His report, believe His report, and live free from fear. Amen. 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 How about you? When we refuse to fear... David said it like this. He said, I will not fear. You've got to get your will involved not to fear. When we refuse to fear, we paralyze Satan. And he cannot win any victories over us. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. And notice with me in verse 7. A very, very familiar verse of scripture. But it is something that we just ought to have just in our spirit real strong. In 2 Timothy 1.7 it says this. For God, my Father, who is love. He didn't give me a spirit of fear. What's the opposite of fear? If He didn't give you a spirit of fear, He must have given you a spirit of faith. Because everything Satan gives is exactly the opposite of what your Father has already given you. Fear doesn't come from heaven. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. But what did He give us? He gave us a spirit of power. He gave us a spirit of love. And He gave us a spirit of a sound mind. Thank you, Lord. And so the number one fear that Satan wants to get us to buy into is that God's word and God's promises will not come to pass in your life. Satan wants us to fear that God's word doesn't work. For example, when you fear poverty, you're really fearing that Philippians 4.19 won't happen in your life. Philippians 4.19 says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, are there days that it looks like you might be going broke? Are there days where it doesn't look so good? Or it doesn't look so well? We experienced that the first quarter of the year right here at Heart of the Bay Christian Center. I mean, there were Sundays where, you know, it just didn't look good. It just, I mean, we're 
fighting the good fight of faith, and all of a sudden, fear comes to the soul. You're not going to be able to do this, and you're not going to be able to do that. Your ministry is going to be hindered, and you're, you know, you're going to, all this stuff, all these lies. But thank God for the ability to walk by faith and not by sight. Thank God for the ability to be trained in the Word of God and be able to take the shield of faith and quench every fiery dart He brought to my soul. Do you know what? When the dust settled after the first quarter, we were $48,000 in the black. It didn't look like we were going to be in the black because we were in the red right up until the last week of the quarter. But God... Has Satan ever sown a fear into your soul that you're just not going to make it? You just don't measure up. You're not going to be healed. You're not going to have a success in your life and your marriage. You're a failure. You're a zero. Just mark it right down. Everything he's telling you, the opposite is the truth. So lift up the mighty shield of faith and quench every fiery dart that the wicked one brings against you. Are you getting it tonight? So unbelief is present when the following is evident in our lives. Fear and then worry. Worry is meditating on the lies of the enemy. Worry is when we ponder the negative. And if we ponder and think about the negative long enough, we'll begin to expect the negative. Instead of expecting good to happen... And instead of expecting God to show up and to do what we know He does well, we begin to expect the worse. But you know what? My Bible says that we're to be careful for nothing. And you know what? You've got to practice that in your life. There are days where I've had to walk around my living room, walk around my office and say, You know what, Father? I don't have a care. I'm carefree. Fear trying to grip me. Knees knocking, sweaty palms, walking by faith and not by sight, believing in my heart and saying with my mouth, I am fear-free, carefree, all my worries are over on Him. He is the head of the church, He upholds the whole universe by the word of His power, and I'm not going to worry. I refuse to worry. Amen. You know, I found a scripture... Where it says he never slumbers or sleeps. And since I found that out, I started sleeping real good. God wants you to rest well. You know, the Bible says they which have believed enter into rest. Is it right if I take a pull? Amen. That's a pull. That's a real H2O. Oh, really? I don't think I'm going to repeat that. (laughs) Fear, worry, and the cares of this life. Look at Mark chapter 4 real quick, if you would. Let's look at, um, let's get over there to the fourth chapter of Mark. Lift up the mighty shield of faith. Thank you, Lord. Mark the fourth chapter. It talks about different avenues that the enemy comes once the word of God is sown in your heart, the sower sows the word. And uh, verse 14, these are they which are sown. uh, Amen. The sower sows the word. These are are they by the wayside 
verse 15, where the word is sown or planted. But when they have heard, Satan comes, how? Immediately. To take away the word that was sown in their hearts. You see, he's afraid of you getting hold of the word. He's afraid of that word getting root in your heart. Amen. And these are they which likewise are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, they immediately receive it with gladness. Have you, have you been there before? I mean, you heard a sermon and, and man, it was good. Or maybe you went to a seminar or went to a conference and wow, it was so good. And you were so happy and you were so glad. But then all of a sudden, because that word really didn't take root in your life, There's an endurance just for a time, but afterward, here's what comes. Affliction, persecutions. Now notice, it's coming for the word's sake. And then what happens oftentimes is Christians get offended. Well, this shouldn't be happening to me. I'm a spirit-filled Christian. I talk in tongues. Well, big deal. I go to Heart of the Bay Christian Center. Well, whoopee ding. I listen to so-and-so all week long. Well, great, good, and glorious. But my dear brothers and sisters, you should not be getting offended when these things come. It is just part of spiritual warfare. It is just part of our life. Now notice. Immediately they're offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns. So they're all hearing the word. But here's what happens. The cares of this world. Some people go after the paper chase, the money chase, the deceitfulness of riches. And the lusts of other things. It enters in and chokes the word. And the word becomes unfruitful. So these are things we've got to watch out for, right? We've got to watch out for the cares of this world. You know, I was watching some guys on TV to, uh, last night late. and You know, you've got to be careful watching Christian TV late at night. <laughs> but I, I was watching some Christian television. I won't say who they were. They're good people, wonderful people. And you know, there's a lot of uh, different um, viewpoints, if you will, about end times. You know, maybe even in this room, there's different viewpoints about end times. You know, there, there, that's going to happen. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it's going to happen. But, you know, there, there are people that, that believe that the church is, is not going to go through the tribulation. That the trumpet is going to sound and we're going to be taken out of here before the tribulation begins. I happen to be one of those. But I'm not foolish. I understand. And I do know that when you look around in the world today, you can see there's a lot of pressure going on. There, there, I mean, it looks like, it looks like, and sometimes it feels like, that the tribulation has already begun. One thing for sure, in the world, we've all had tribulation. Whether it be that tribulation or not, we've all had it. But now notice, there's other people that believe that, you know, the church is going to be raptured halfway through the tribulation. There's other people on other camps that believe that, you know, we are going to go through the entire tribulation and that there's not going to be any water. 
you know, I won't be able to take a pull like that. That there's not going to be any food. And, and that it really, really is going to be really tough and rugged. Now, I personally don't believe that. And I am choosing to believe that whatever we go through, or whatever load we go out on, first load, mid load, or after trib load, I'm choosing to believe that my Father is so good that I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed out begging for bread. And if he can rain manna down from heaven, he sure enough can rain manna and quail down from heaven for us. I mean, if water can come out of a rock, I don't believe we're going to have any water shortage. No matter what we go through or no matter what we don't go through, you've got to look at the character of God. The character of God is love and He will take care of His own. Amen? I don't know how or why we got off on that, but the whole... If, if you... If you just, if you feed Christian TV, if you just feed on some of that stuff, I mean, you can get afraid. You can get afraid. You can get full of fear. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of faith. So what do you say? We lift up the mighty shield of faith. And we quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And we don't take on the cares of this life. Refuse to worry about it. Stock market, all-time high today. Did you notice? All-time high. Those who have stocks are saying, good. But tomorrow could be a different story. You know, you know they're saying the North Koreans are ready to, to shoot a bomb. You know, they say that this one guy's ill. What's his name, ill? Kim Jong-il. Not mentally ill. Kim Jong-il. They, they said, oh, it's Kim Jong-un. Okay. They say that he's, he's tougher than his dad was, his granddad was. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to stay up at night wondering what ill's going to do. I'm not going to take that care on me. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for the Christ. And so, yes, I know that there's going to be some tribulation. There's going to be some trouble. But it's all a matter of how and what kind of an attitude and what kind of a spirit you approach these last days with. Amen. 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 And so we don't want to get consumed with cares. So overcoming unbelief and these, these thoughts, those arrows, those fiery darts, by and large, they are thoughts. Overcoming unbelief. Begins with overcoming fear-based thoughts. Turn me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. But they, these are they on the good ground who hear the word and bring forth fruit. That's you, isn't it, Brother Luat? Some 30, some 60, some 100. Glory. How about you? We got a hundred folder right down there. Who's going to go for a hundred? Oh, man, that's you guys are fanatics. I like that. You know what a Jesus fanatic is, don't you? Jesus fanatic is someone that's just more excited about Jesus than you are. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Notice with me in verse 2. You know, that worked pretty good. That was from the 70s. 
disciples. Some of these people weren't born in the 70s. <laughs> she said some of these folks weren't even born in the 70s. <laughs> now she's done it. It's new to All right. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. The woman that you gave me. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Oh, I love having Brenda back in church, man. Don't miss Sunday night. She's going to be preaching. It's going to be fun. Do you know the day of Pentecost is coming up pretty soon? The Feast of Pentecost. Remember what happened last year at Pentecost Sunday here? Whoo, glory to God. We're believing for some really good things to happen every time we come together. What verse did I tell you? 2 Corinthians 10, right? Well, pull up there so I don't have to find it. 2 Corinthians 10. Verse 3, verse 4 and 5. Let's read it together. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after what? So our battle's not in the flesh, okay? Verse 4. Read it with me. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the what? To the pulling down of strongholds. Those wicked spirits in high places that come with fear-filled thoughts, those fiery darts need to be pulled down. Look at verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to what? To the obedience of Christ. And so these arrows, they come to assault the soul, to hit the mind, They hit the emotions, and you'll feel it. You'll feel different emotions, but that's okay. Just take your weapons and keep your sword sharp. Keep your armor raised, your your shield raised, and don't sweat it. And just let God be God in your life. I want to look in closing tonight at different forms of unbelief, different forms of unbelief. The first form of unbelief, we could say, is because of ignorance. Ignorance. You know, when we're ignorant, we simply don't know any better, right? In Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, I believe it is, it says, that my people are destroyed for the lack of what? Isaiah 5 says that my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. It's very difficult to act on something you don't have any knowledge of. It's knowledge acted upon. It is knowledge in the Word of God that is acted upon that brings results. But if you have no knowledge of your covenant, if you have no knowledge of the authority of the believer, you're just going to kind of go through life's thinking, well, you know, this must be the will of God. When in fact, it's not the will of God. The will of God is in the Word of God. But if you don't know any better, it is a form of unbelief. Okay? A second unbelief, form of unbelief, is disbelief. Disbelief. Well, when we are in disbelief, we've perhaps been taught some wrong doctrine... And we're holding on to some of our religious traditions. Okay? Now, what did Jesus say about the traditions of men? Okay, so the traditions of men will nullify the Word of God in my life. It will make the Word of God of none effect. 
Okay? Now, we don't need to open up that can of worms tonight and talk about, talk about all the different traditions of men that are out there that are really based on religious tradition rather than revelation knowledge of the Word of God. But, but the subtle thing about religious traditions are this. We have a tendency to believe some things that we learn from elders. We have a tendency to believe some things that perhaps we learned in some of the churches that we grew up. Now, you know, I grew up Catholic and I love the Catholics, but doctrinally, I do not agree on everything the Catholics believe. When I was a little boy, I thought that the Catholic priest was God and that he was the only one that could talk to God. So I grew up believing that I couldn't have a relationship with God, so why even try? I mean, what's the sense of even going to church? So, of course, I rebelled and got way off. But you see, some of the things we learn from elders, you've got to be able to prove it. Does the Word of God verify what we've been taught? Does the Word, is, is this in the Word, or is this something that someone else taught them that was handed down through the traditions of men and down through the decades. And that's why it's so important to become a student of the Word of God and to have the Spirit of God as your teacher. Amen? Now, in 2 Timothy 2.15, let me just quote it to you. 2 Timothy 2.15 says this, Study to show yourself approved unto God, not unto man. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The mere fact that he says rightly divide the word of truth means that I can wrongly divide it. And so there are things that we learn as a result of religious tradition that causes us to get into an area of unbelief, which is basically disbelief. And that last kind of unbelief is natural unbelief. Now, when natural unbelief is present, what we are focusing on is we are focusing on what our five senses are telling us. Look at with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. Did you know that whatever you think about the most is what you'll be tempted to carry out in your life? Many times as Christians, we meditate and think about the problems more than we do the promises. We believe more what we see with these eyes and what we feel with these hands than what we see in our spirit and what we know to be true in our heart. And that's why he tells us, while we look not at the things which are seen, or while we look not at the things which are seen or perceived by our five physical senses, but we do look... At the things which are not seen. How do you look at something that you can't see? By looking at it. By looking at it. By looking at the eternal truths of God's word. That is not hidden for you. Nor from you, but for you. We're looking at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal or subject to change. But the things which we don't see, they are eternal. My dear brothers and sisters, you have the eternal truth of God's word right here. 
This word is addressed to your spirit. It is spirit and it is life. And when this word gets in your spirit and starts dominating your life, you'll begin to see the fruit of what this word will produce in your life. The Bible says of Abraham, he didn't consider his own body now dead, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he grew strong in faith and he gave glory to God. And Abraham became the father of many nations because he refused to operate by his senses. He operated by the word of God. Now I want to share with you one more thing tonight. Are you ready? This is so good. So good that I'm going to read it. It is just delicious. So we see that we lift up the mighty shield of faith, right? I love this. How else can the shield be used, is the question. The Roman military had an inventive and very effective tactic that made use of their large shields. When enemies begin firing arrows and other things at the army, the soldier would close ranks into a rectangular array, into a formation. And those on the outside would use their shields to create a wall around the perimeter. Then those in the middle would raise their shields over their heads. And they would protect everyone from airborne missiles. The result was a formidable human tank that could be stopped only through a tremendous effort. Listen to what this commentator says. He said, when the Roman army joined its shield together, it became an almost unstoppable force. And if we, in God's church, join our shields, that is, strengthen each other with our faith, building one another up and serving within the body, we become an unstoppable force able to take on any challenge that we face. And that is part of what Christianity is all about. Because I'll tell you, sometimes I feel weak. But when I'm weak in the natural realm, someone's strong. And if I can get a brother like George to lock shields with me when I'm weak, and then we can get some people in the middle to raise up their shield, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. See, there's sometimes in the natural realm where we're stronger than we are physically. Other times we're weaker. It's the same thing true spiritually. Sometimes we get weakened. Sometimes the shield of faith is so full of darts that... (laughs) Pastor Tom, come on over here. Help me. Tony, come on over here. Help pull some of these out. And then when I'm strong... And I see my brothers and I see my sisters going through fiery tests and trials. I can get PT. I can get Joe. I can get George. I can get other brothers and sisters. Say, come on, let's go over to this person's life. Let's touch their life. Let's lock our shields with them. Let's stand on God's word with them. And we declare that they're going to come through it. That's what Christianity is all about. 
We don't walk around with our head in the ground like ostriches pretending that we're all that and we've got everything together. The truth of the matter is we don't. But He does. And when we're walking close with Him, and when we're joined to the Lord, we become one spirit. And we can become strong and we can stay strong. But I believe strength is for a purpose. It's like what Jesus said to Peter. He said, Peter, now Satan has desired to have you. He's tipping him off. Then he may sift you as wheat. Okay? He says, but when you are strengthened, I want you to go help your brother. So whatever that you have been through is not just for you to gloat in a glorious testimony of what God has done for you. Yes, we're to testify of the goodness of God. But we're to strengthen one another. We're to help one another. We're to lift up our brothers. And we're to lift up our sisters. Amen? And how do we do that? We do that through love. We do that through prayer. We do that by being a blessing. So let's stand up. And let's all just lift up the shield of faith tonight. By faith, right now. Just lift up the shield of faith. You know, we need to be lifting up our shield of faith over this nation, man. There's some laws and there's some things that are trying to pass. And there's, there's, some, there's some weapons that are, that are being formed against Christianity that have come against the church. And we're declaring that it will not prosper. That it will not prevail. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lock our shields together tonight. Believing, Lord, that you are God, knowing that you are God, knowing that you have raised up America. And we're asking for mercy, Lord. We're praying, Lord God, that the weapons that are formed against this great country, formed against Christianity, we're declaring they will not prosper. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we apply the blood of the Lamb over this great nation. We ask, sir, for rain. In the time of the latter rain, we ask for revival. We ask for an outpouring of your love and of your spirit tonight. In the name of Jesus. Oh, just pray just a moment. Come on, guys.